ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. And Welcome back to the the uh, Church Boys. We are here for episode number. What is this? Eleventy four. I think you know. In reality, I think this is actually episode number six. All right, look at us. Six episodes in a row. Which means we're almost halfway to where we need to be to be on iTunes. Oh, did you did you look at that? I know people were asking about that. Did you look? That yeah, up? I'm pretty sure. I think it's fifteen. So we're almost there. We're almost there, people. Another two months, we will be on iTunes. All right, good to know. Good to know. So a couple more months, we'll be on iTunes. You can just you can download us uh, much more easily to your listening devices. So, Billiam. Yes. How, how's, how's your week been since Valentine's Day? You missed your superb husband who loves his wife and takes care of his children. Oh, gosh. We're going to go back to Valentine's Day. Well, it's been good. It's I just want to good. know if you're recovered. I am recovered, although, you know, when you work, when you're writing all day and you're working at a desk, it's really easy to gain weight quickly. And yeah. so um, I think I've had about 20 pieces of chocolate a day for the last oh, nice. week. So I don't think... I've got like a hip pain. I think I've gained some weight, and I think it's you know not a good thing. So, so we, we did the smart that's thing. That's the fallout. We did the smart thing this year, and as much as I hate it, I still you know do stuff for it. But we did the smart thing this year. My wife is training to run um, Bloomsday up in Spokane uh, in a couple months, so she's working on. It. She didn't want any junk food, any any candy, and the kids are like they're not big candy eaters, which is weird for kids. They like broccoli and vegetables and other just nonsense. I don't. I'm, I've had them tested, and they are my kids. But still, it's just ridiculous. It's just bizarre. It is. And we've talked we've talked about this off the air before that my child I don't think has ever had a vegetable before <laughs> that isn't liquefied. Um, we have to like sl- like slip vegetables into oh. we have to buy the pouches that have like veggies and fruit so that right. she doesn't realize she's actually having broccoli with apples. Right. Um, which is disgusting, but that is life. That is what we have to do because our <laughs> child only likes cookie and chocolate. Well, so my so my kids, they think they like candy, and they do to an extent. But like, like my son, will, you give him a, a like an Oreo, or like, in fact, he doesn't even like chocolate. So most things chocolate, he won't he won't eat. Like he'll put up with them. But you give him if you know the little snack size Snicker bars that are about what an inch and a half, two inches long. If you were to give, yeah, I know if, I know them well. If you were to give him one of those, despite it being chocolate, I'm just talking size wise. He'll eat half of it and go, you know, I'll just save the rest for another time. And then probably not Honestly, even go back to no, it. You know his what? favorite thing, I, his favorite thing is this. lollipops, like suckers. No, I'm mm-hmm. not accepting this because every time we talk about children, I'm like, my child ripped the wallpaper down. And you're like, my children have put the wallpaper up. Your children are perfect. <laughs> no, no, that's that's far from true. However, I do I do love my kids. So and my my daughter is more into candy, but she's very limited on what she what we we limit what she can have, but she also limits herself. She just doesn't She's just not a, a junk food kid, and and they neither one are. And we're thankful for that, but that's neither here nor there. So, for Valentine's Day, we decided my wife didn't want candy. My wife knows I hate Valentine's Day, so she didn't get me anything. And we got the kids little like toy gifts instead of um, instead of like boxes of candy or something. So, so you I haven't did had celebrate though. You did. I mean, that's that's celebrating the, the evil celebra- Hallmark holiday. Celebrate in the loosest sense of the term. We went out to to dinner at some sort of just. I mean, it was fine. It was. It Wait, was, there's it was a, a dinner big, now. No, this it was a big bowl. Of, it was a big bowl of. A, no, listen. I didn't do the whole, you know, fresh off the boat thing and go over to. Fresh the, off the boat. 
<laughs> go over to the local uh, pasta place. You're like, I didn't do and the gorge Ellis myself. Island, you know, <laughs> and gorge my gorge myself on pasta and chicken. We went to what? What's, where did we go? We went to um. It's just it's but, regular. It's a chain. Oh, Applebee's. We went to Applebee's. But which you is still the big, celebrated just a, Valentine's Day. Which is a great day. big bowl of okay. Listen, I wasn't celebrating Valentine's Day. But you're we happened to go on that. You. We happened to go on that day. I had a steak like a man, and you had what again? Chicken or pasta or something? I had I steak. I actually had both because I'm Italian and I enjoy both. And so you had chicken, I don't remember so you had chicken the exact parm meal and pasta. I don't listen. Listen, at the end of the day. You celebrated Valentine's I didn't Day, know and celebrated I think that's the lesson here. I happened to eat a steak at a restaurant on Valentine's Day. So we went out on Valentine. We happened to be Valentine's Day and went out to dinner and had a nice and time. And exchanged but little that, trinkets. No, no trinket. I didn't. I, I, there was, exchange means it had to be something coming to me. And thankfully, I can say there was no exchange of gifts. I gave little gifts. Actually, my wife gave little gifts. I just happened to be there in the room when they opened them. So, But we recovered. <laughs> I, every year, I look at Valentine's Day with doom and gloom, and I know that my life is going to be ruined, and always, invariably, everything's okay afterwards. So, well, Whatever, whatever. I still think you celebrated it. But, you know, we, we have bigger issues no, going on no bigger in the issues. world. Um, one of them would be a man named Rob Bell. Oh, uh, don't get... Now, why do you have to do this to me? We're having a lovely discussion about the wonderful Valentine's Day, and here you have to go and bring up old what's-his-name. <laughs> Robert Bell, Robert Bell, who appeared on Oprah. I don't know. I mean, I know you were very busy on Valentine's Day weekend, apparently, but I don't know if you realize on Sunday that he appeared on Oprah's television show on OWN, um, that you know the television network OWN, and um, she has a Super Soul Sunday show, and you know he appeared on there and talked about this new book that he has with his wife, and the book's title is like re- something really weird. It's like. The Zimzum of Love or Zimzum something. Of, I don't know. It's very weird. The Zimzum of Love. The real tell on the title of the book is not the headline of the the main title of the book. You know, it's the subhead. A new way of understanding marriage. Which I don't know that they have, a, that anybody, including the Bells, have a new way of understanding marriage. But that would require, that would require understanding marriage to begin with. Oh, boy. Oh boy, we're gonna we're already going after Rob Bell. But listen, that I think you know I didn't watch the whole interview. I got to be honest with you. The part I obviously that caught my my eye was with what he had to say about gay relationships, gay marriage, and and the Christian church as a whole. Right, and that's um, and that's the part that he knew was gonna get the whole, get all the attention. Right, he knew that's gonna happen. Listen, I used to be a little. I, I shouldn't say used to be a fan. I was going to say a little bit of a Rob Bell fan. There were some things that he did that I really appreciated. There were a couple short videos that he put out that were good for youth stuff that were really good and said some really good biblical things. And uh, his first book, um, Velvet Elvis, was actually a decent book. There were some challenging things in there, but he's just gone off the deep end. Well, I think, you know, when when somebody goes a certain route, right, and— and they they start to come out with different viewpoints. It, it isn't surprising. Like in this case, it's not surprising. And we haven't really said what he said on the show. But what he did was he basically said that you know homosexuality um, is equivalent when it comes to relationships with with you know men and women being in relationships. And he talked about the church's role, and we'll get into that and where the church will go in the future, in the near future, in his view, and accepting gay relationships. But I mean, he sort of embraced that. And and listen, there are some conservatives who do embrace um, same-sex relationships, and there are most who still do not. 
Um, but what my point is with Rob Bell, you know, he's taken a lot of different stances that are sort of not in line with the majority of Christian culture, of conservative Christian culture. So it's not surprising that he would on this issue as well um, sort of go in a more progressive route. Right. Well, and and listen, and you brought up something about what he believes. Listen, it's America. It's it's free will. You can believe whatever you want. It's not just America. It's life in general. You can believe whatever you want. Just don't tell me you to believe this and then call it the same thing I believe. Well, and I think, you know, in this case, even Oprah seemed a little bit surprised when she asked him. You know, he starts talking with his wife, Kristen. They're, they're talking through relationships and loneliness and how, you know, same-sex relationships also help people who are lonely because loneliness is a terrible thing. Um, and then, you know, Oprah sort of asks him, well, when will the rest of the Christian church get this? When will When will others get it? And he goes on to basically say that, it's on its way, that it's almost any day now. And the way he talks about it is that this is about to happen and that people are just going to come on board with this. Um, I, I think even she was surprised by that, and she even responded to him by saying, well, you seem kind of progressive on this, because she's like, I talked to other pastors, and they have a totally different viewpoint. Well, yeah, and well, we have the audio here if you want to pull, if you want me to pull it up and play it. I, we, we can play, play it. it. Okay, well, let's play it, and then we'll get, and then we'll get back to it, okay? And if you, I mean, and you know, we're on Skype, so if you if you got a place, you're like, hit pause, hit pause, just give me the timeout signal, and we'll we'll hit pause and discuss whatever it is uh, you want to discuss. But um, so here is the portion uh, from Oprah's Super Soul Sunday show. Somebody likes alliteration. Let's see. Here we go. <laughs> and play. This is his wife going to read an excerpt from their book. Marriage, gay and straight, is a gift to the world because the world needs more, not less. Love, fidelity, commitment, devotion, and sacrifice. I think it's great that you all made a conscious choice to include gay marriage in here. Absolutely. Yeah, why? Because one of the oldest aches in the bones of humanity is loneliness. And it's one of the things that goes way, way back. Loneliness is not good for the world. And so, whoever you are, gay or straight, it is totally normal, natural, and healthy to want somebody to go through life with. It's, it's central to our humanity. Yeah. We want someone to go on the journey with. When is the church gonna get that? We're close, I, I think. I think it's evolving. I think mm -hmm. it's... Lots of people are already there. We think it's inevitable and it's, we're moments. A moment's away, away from the church yeah, accepting it. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. Because. As soon as you meet someone, and most of the time when people have resistance to this, and I say you, to them, you, you think we're moments away. I think culture is already there, okay. and the church will continue to be even more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago as their best defense. Oh no! When you have in front of you flesh and blood <laughs> people don't quote, who are your brothers and sisters. Don't and aunts quote 2,000-year-old letters. And they love each other, and they just want to go through life with someone. All right, you sound really off. progressive to me because uh, I've talked to pastors. Oh, he's still progressive. Saying, well, oh, I think there are a lot of people who, as they see culture moving, their response is to dig in deeper. Okay. Okay, and what she was about to say, and I said cut it off, but what she was about to say was the wife, um, Kristen, that not only that they're basically digging their heels in and they're regressing almost and not progressing because they're not accepting um, gay marriage, which uh, is interesting. But what I have to say is that out of anything, regardless of where people stand on this on this issue, 
the comment about quoting letters from 2000 years ago as someone's best defense, if you're not quoting letters from 2000 years ago, then you're basically not a Christian because the entire <laughs> <like> Bible. <laughs> I mean, outside, outside of the gospels, outside of the gospels in the book of Acts, it's a, the New Testament is letters. That's right. the whole basis for our theology. The entire Christian theology is based on largely the letters from Paul. Right. No, exactly. And I think Paul is like one third of, you know, everything that is written is either written about him or mentioning him, I think. And right. I may be a little bit off on that, but it's 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 a substantial yeah. portion of the Bible. So, yeah, re regardless of your views on homosexuality and gay marriage and all that stuff, to say you can't you can't base your religious beliefs off the basis of religious beliefs of Christianity. What nonsense. What utter nonsense. And it so, was a bizarre statement, and I'm no, surprised that she didn't call him out, that she didn't say to him, because, well, what about everything else? She doesn't else? know. Oprah doesn't know. And she does. She doesn't you care. You get a call, and you get a call. She doesn't <laughs> care. She doesn't know, and she doesn't care. And she's got the same mindset as some dingling who's going to say on television in front of everybody, people see bad things, see these things progressing, and they dig their heels in. Dang right, I'm dealing my, digging my heels in on things. When you see the world going to hell, you just yell and you go, stop, stop what you're doing. You're destroying yourself and you're hurting other people. And it doesn't have to just be the gay marriage issue. It's our culture in general. I'm going to stick my, porn has become a lot more acceptable. That doesn't mean I don't dig my heels in and say, stop. Well, listen, you know, at the end of the day, this these issues are are complicated. Some are less complicated than others. I think that the homosexuality gay marriage issue is really complicated and people christian not christian they fall in a variety of different realms when it comes to legalization versus morals versus theology you know there's there's so much that goes into this what was what was odd to me was that he used the word moments away and then doubled down on it when she asked him about it you know listen when i look at what's going on with churches when you have menlo um presbyterian church and i'm not sure i can I remember if that's the full title out in California, and you have other churches that are paying millions of dollars and fighting PC USA, Presbyterian Church USA, in court to have their church building, to have their property. When that's going on, to say that that the church as a whole is moments away from embracing gay marriage, I think that's not. It's just not possible. I think that this is a big issue. People are going to be fighting about in churches in the Christian realm for for a really long time. Right. And my my point isn't though we can have this discussion if if we want to. My point isn't you know uh, whether or not gay marriage is okay or homosexuality is okay. You know my views, and if we need to discuss those views sometime on the show, that's fine. My overall point is the ridiculousness of their statements. Not only. I mean, you hit on one. That's the church's moments away. Well, which church? You're right. talking about the you're talking about the church universal small C Catholic church. Are you talking about that church, like the universe? No, I mean, go to go to any, especially go to any church that's in you know in Africa that's teaching the gospel. Guess what? They don't agree with you on these things. Just because the liberal progressive churches in the United States and whatever's left of the church in Europe in Eastern or in Western Europe. Is, is saying, you know what, to hell with all of the things that we've always taught and believed were morally appropriate, to hell with all of it. The fact that they're doing that doesn't mean that the church is going to embrace it. Just because Rob Bell is starting to embrace it doesn't mean that the entirety of the Methodist church is going to pull it in, pull into it, or the Nazarene church, or the Baptist church, or the Southern Baptist, or whatever. 
But so that's nonsense. And the nonsense about quoting 2,000-year-old letters, that's total nonsense. These people resort to nonsense because that's what they're full of. And for her to go on and say, again, we're going to dig our... These things are becoming normalized and accepted in society. Well, there's a whole lot of things becoming normalized and accepted, accepted in society that people of faith have to stand up and say, stop, and dig their heels in. So don't criticize people for saying stop and digging their heels in when that's the point. Yeah, you know, it's it's sort of fascinating to me how people change and evolve on these issues. And, you know, and, and I do think, you know, when and I can't remember if they said this in, in this interview or not, but when you, you bring up sort of, oh, well, you know, these people are your friends, they're your family, it cha- they, they help change your perspective. I do think there's truth to that. I mean, when you do know people who are are gay and they're not and it's not just a concept on a piece of paper your views on the issue may change but i don't i mean listen i i think that this is complicated stuff i think that at the end of the day you have a lot of different people who choose different ways of handling this some people choose to live um, their lifestyle the way that they feel they feel that they're attracted to the same sex they choose to live that way there are people who choose to be um, and, and when I say people, I'm talking about Christians here that are, that are, that are trying to continue living um, in a way that they believe is biblically sound. And then there are other people who remain celibate um, on, on this issue. And it's interesting. I think the people who remain celibate aren't given a lot of attention. Um, and, and they're not really talked about a lot in media, but there are a lot of people yeah. out there, we've covered them, who choose to just not be in romantic relationships at all. Yeah, well, uh, there's, a whole, there's a whole movement afoot in churches across America and in Europe to liberalize the gospel. Whether that's good or bad, we, we can discuss that down the road, but the fact is that there's a real battle coming in the churches, and there are churches that are going to be split. There are going to be denominations split. I mean, you brought up the past, the Presbyterians. I mean, it wasn't the, Pres- the Pres- Presbyterians where they're losing their church or whatever. Yeah, Presbyterian Church USA, in fact, in June, this upcoming June, they have to make a decision whether or not they're going to redefine marriage. And right now, if you look at the way that the breakdown is, I think of as of earlier this week, it was like 52 um, either churches or presbyteries. I can't remember, but but long story short, when it, the win was on the side of redefining marriage as being between um, two men, two women, whatever, the, that that was the redefinition. It looks like the church, that church, that denomination is headed in that direction. And you are going to see... Um, PC USA has seen a lot of churches leave, and there it's called ECO, E-C-O, and I'm forgetting the, what the acronym stands for at the moment, but but ECO is the conservative sort of alternative, and a lot of the churches are leaving PC USA and moving to ECO, hmm. um, and, and they're maintaining their traditional view of marriage in that process. Interesting. All right, well, speaking of, and we're going to get back to it right after the break here. Uh, I forgot to hit my timer, so I don't know where we are on the show, but we'll hit a break here. Well, I want to come back, and there was a church in Portland dealing with something on this related to this issue uh, that you wrote about. Um, I want to get into that, but we will hit that uh, in just a minute. And now, back to the church boys. They're a real pain in my ass. And we're back. Uh, so we were just talking about Rob Bell. We were talking about gay marriage and what's going on in some of the denominations. Um, interestingly, this week, there was a story that really dealt exactly with this issue that we covered on The Blaze, and it was Christ Church 
Portland, a church that's part of a denomination. I actually hadn't, I don't know much about this denomination, but it's the Evangelical Covenant Church. Mm. Um, and, and this particular church, Christ Church, led by a pastor named Adam Phillips. And Adam Phillips has apparently been supportive of um, gay relationships, homosexuality, within the confines of, you know, he says he thinks anybody who's single shouldn't be having sex, you know, sort of all of the rules that the church traditionally has, but apply to also same-sex couples. Now, his his denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church, does not accept gay relationships. Um, and what happened in this case was they offered him $150,000 over a three-year period to move out to Oregon to run this church, the Christ Church out there. And he was about a year into that. And what ended up happening was he became more public about his views on gay marriage, became more supportive. Um, he says he was told to be quiet. He wasn't quiet. The denomination ended up pulling two years of funding and kicking the church out of the denomination because of the pastor's stances and statements um, on same-sex marriage. The pastor put out a video, um, shared his is sharing his story. A lot of people are paying attention to that. Um, and, you know, it's a small church, and they want to stay afloat, and so they're looking for donations and, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, and, so, and that's sort of the breakdown okay, of the story. Okay, so I read, I read your story. And I watched the watched and listened to the little video that he put out there, and of course had an opinion about it, which is just kind of what I do because that's just how I am, and and I thought it was just it, it comes across as he's whining about getting in trouble with his denomination to which he has said he will uphold these certain standards because this is what the church doctrine is, and then when he goes against church doctrine and gets asked, as probably my guess would be has been warned a few times. Watch yourself on this. Even if you believe it personally, this is not what we teach in this church. And then continued to teach it, was outspoken about it, and got his church taken away, or his church got kicked out of the denomination because of his, uh, apparently, again, speaking from only from the story you've written in the video that I watched, of his little testimony, he's, he's upset that he got kicked out for, for not following the rules. Is that your take on it? Yeah, I mean, it is. I think the odd thing here is if the church was aware, if the denomination was aware that this is where he stood, I guess maybe they were trying to extend grace and allow him to have his free speech while also abiding by the rules of the denomination. I mean, if you're going to send someone to Portland, Oregon, which is not a very conservative place, and you're uh, going to not tell at them, all, by you know, the way, <laughs> right? I mean, if you're going to tell them, go set up a church there and you know where they stand on this, you can't really be surprised that that this person is going to teach that in the church. Maybe they were willing to overlook that. This is all speculation. I don't know. Maybe they were willing to overlook it. But at the end of the day, I mean, at the same time, he really going public with it, writing for sojourners, putting out statements about it, I think goes if you know that that's going against the denomination, then he is also at fault. So it's it's an odd situation. I don't know that him coming forward forces the hand of the denomination at all. I mean, they're not going to change their views because one person didn't follow the rules and is upset about it. No, his, um, his coming forward on this, we mean with this video is all about a way to get donations to his church because he wants to keep his gig, he wants to keep his church, he wants to continue to be uh, you know, paid as a pastor and for that to be his job, which is fine, that's his right, he can do that if he wants to. But this video is all about <laughs> donate to our organization because we think it's okay to be gay and have gay marriage. Yeah, and I, and I think that, again, this is why the church is not moments away. Um, you know, is, is, listen, I think when we talk about the church, 
we are talking about the movement overall of the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ and, and all of the churches in the world and, and all that. I, I think to make a broad statement like Rob Bell did, a case like this shows that, that that isn't true. You have a church that was booted out of a denomination. You have a majority view in that particular denomination that um, is really basically saying, hey, we don't support this. And you also, by the way, have PCUSA, the Episcopal churches. These denominations are shrinking rapidly. Um, and, and I think part of it is not just gay marriage. It is the and not just homosexuality. It is the drift towards more progressive liberal policies. I mean, if you look, and I, I got to find the numbers because they're crazy. They did a survey of uh, preachers in PCUSA, and a substantial number of them are not sure they believe that Jesus is God's son, are not sure that they believe in the Trinity, according to some of the numbers that have been out there. That is disturbing. Um, and I think you know, that <laughs> this is all sort of, you know, part of the problem. Oh, all right. So, um, okay, so one quote that just rubbed me raw on this, and it does, again, this has nothing to do, this is his nonsense, this has to do with his nonsensical statement, not about uh, homosexuality, okay? I have to be clear on that because, and not because I'm ashamed of believing that I, I have a biblical view of, you know, sexuality in all regards, not just homosexuality, but in straight relationships as well. This has nothing to do with that specific topic, but has to, my criticism has to do with this nonsensical statement from him. The more stories I hear of exclusion, the stories of friends who experienced depression and suicidal thoughts, made me feel like I couldn't be silent anymore. When he came out in support of homosexual relationships and gay marriage and all this shinola, okay? And my thought is just because someone's depressed doesn't mean you endorse their bad behavior and you should be changing your 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 views, your worldview. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think this does play into what I was saying before, that when you know people and it becomes personal, it does change your viewpoint. And I think that is, you know, on any issue, right? If it's if you're talking about an atheist and a Christian's get, you know, Christians have certain views about atheism. When you start to get to know atheists, you become a good friends with atheists. It's sort of like, okay, we still disagree, but now I, I look at you a little differently because there's a there's a face to the title, right? There's a face. There's a name. There's a, a human being to that. I do think that's what he's speaking to. I understand what you're saying, too. I do think that what changes people on this issue is what he's saying, though. Um, and, and that is where it becomes complicated. And I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians struggle with this because they have friends, loved ones, aunts, uncles that they love who they theologically disagree with on this, but who are gay. And they are trying to find a way to support them without violating what they believe to be true with that. That's yeah, the real see, challenge here. And, see, and so here, so here's the, here's the problem. Okay. And let me, let me go back real quickly. Matt Walsh has a great piece up on the website today on, on, or on this weekend, uh, on, um, on the Rob Bell thing. Okay. And we're going back to Rob Bell cause these are, these are related, not on the gay issue, but on the issue of how the church deals with things that have always been known to be right and wrong. Okay. And he quotes Rob Bell saying, saying, I think culture is ready there and the church will continue to be even more relevant when it quotes letters from 2000 years ago. He, he makes that quote. And so here's what, here's what uh, uh, Matt writes in response to that. According to Bell, former pastor and a man who still feels himself as a Christian leader of sorts, the word of God is, quote, irrelevant and shouldn't be considered our, quote, best defense due to the fact that it's 2000 years old. And why is God's law irrelevant? Matt asks rhetorically, why is God's law irrelevant? His answer, because our co-workers and neighbors might be gay, that's why. 
And it's a matter of not wanting to stand up for your convictions. If you know something's right or wrong, the fact is Rob Bell and this guy from Portland don't want to stand up for what's right or wrong because they're afraid of offending someone. And something that I learned from a pastor a long time ago is the problem becomes the fact we don't want to offend people. And what we're going to do is not offend a whole bunch of people right into hell. Because loving people isn't just about not hurting their feelings. Loving people is telling them in a loving way, this isn't good for you. What you're doing is not helping your situation right now. I love you so much that I want to help you get better. And that's what it's about. And that's what the gospel is about. That's what Jesus was about, was loving people where they were, but not accepting them staying the same. That's why he doesn't just talk about forgiveness. He talks about repentance, changing who you are. And, I, and I, I'm afraid that the, that the reason that the Rob Bell thing happens and this guy from Portland thing happens is because we're afraid we're going to offend people by standing up for the things that we have known all along are right or wrong. Yeah, and I listen, I think I think it's complicated and I think that those relationships do complicate it. And I, and I and I agree. I think, you know, Christianity is all about improving and making and making oneself better. I think the disagreement is on this portion of, you know, this idea of whether or not that's possible for people who are gay and, you know, whether or not it's a choice. And you, know, you could, we could have five a 5-hour five long podcast you know, bringing people in to talk about all of this, I think it's really interesting stuff. And uh, and maybe we you know, should down the road. Maybe we should have a big, you know, gab fest where we go on for several hours. I'd be fine with that. But and we're not going to solve it now. I think it would be good to bring people in on the other side of it too. Absolutely. You know, and and Absolutely. I think that's the you know why not? Why not have the debate and the discussion about it? That's part of the problem. Nobody wants to talk about the issue outside of digging their heels down. I'm going to borrow words from Kristen Bell: digging their heels in um, <laughs> on the on either side without listening to the other side. And I'm not saying that you're doing that now at all. But what I'm saying is that's what happens in society with sure. this discussion, and we don't we don't have the discussion. We're all afraid to. Right. Um, I don't think you are. I don't think I am. But I think most people are. So why not have that discussion? No, I agree. Totally agree. All right, we need to. Uh, uh, just a second. We need to take a break, but I've got my soundboard in the wrong place. So let me let me adjust these things. We got a little technical difficulty here. All right, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with a little more uh, lighthearted segment. We're going to take Billy and I are just going to take a little test. We'll be right back. Back to the church boys. We are back. I know you missed us terribly over those last few seconds, but we are here. We are ready to go. And so we're going to take a little break. I had a chance to go get a Ritalin. Speaking of Ritalin, Matt Walsh really ticked off a bunch of people with a great, great column this week. You don't have to agree with him or disagree, but I thought it was a fascinating read. And it's about ADHD not existing was his point. So back on track, I get very sidetracked very easily. I've I've got ADHD or, or I don't have it, according to Matt. So... If you have a chance, go check out Matt's piece on ADHD on theblaze.com. Oh, and speaking of theblaze.com, speaking of, well, actually not speaking of theblaze.com, please go check us out at uh, facebook.com slash thechurchboys, twitter.com slash thechurchboys, or at thechurchboys. You can also look at thechurchboys.com. Check out our website there. We post all of our podcasts, other things we're talking about and thinking about. And Billy usually writes one or two things um, on the Blaze blog uh, that you can read about us and find our show there as well. So, um, if you're hearing this now, you've found us, but continue to visit us and, and especially go to our, our social media page just on Twitter and on Facebook. All right. So come check us out and uh, get the discussion going. We really love, we really love, and we say this all the time. 
We want your emails. We want your comments. Email us stuff. Find us on Twitter. You know, talk to us. There's a guy, you know, let's see what on Twitter, Progressive Drummer or Pedro C or whatever his name is. A little shout out to him. He's been very faithful and he loves to talk to us and give us a hard time. So Pedro, uh, I think that's your name right. Isn't that right? Do I have it right? Yeah, Pedro there? Pedro's awesome. Okay. He, he actually lives down in Dallas. He's great. Oh, he does. All right. Well shout out to Pedro. Yeah, he's a he's a Blaze favorite. All right. So we'll we give a little Pedro shout out Pedro to him. loves the Blaze. Well, he we'll give a little shout out to him, but um, keep it up. We want to hear your stuff on Twitter. We want you to communicate to us on Facebook. We think it's important. We want to build this audience, and we want you. We to... want you to send harassing emails to Chris and, and his family. And we want you to like us. <laughs> Actually, we just want your attention because we're attention for us, and that's about it. All right, there you go. So, uh, William, we're gonna get a little less serious now. Well, I mean, kinda. And I, you posted a story earlier this week about uh a, with a bible quiz in it and i'll tell people what this quiz is and I'm, I'm digging it up here and then you and i are going to take this quiz on the air oh boy all right uh -huh. well basically it's your who's your bible doppelganger who's your who who are you in the bible when it comes to characteristics personality who do you most represent that is the quiz and i mean we already i don't think you need to take it because we're all pretty sure you're either getting lucifer or judas <laughs> you know what <laughs> Why don't we take the quiz and find out what I'm going to get rather than you Let's just being it. a jerk to ev to me in front of all of these people. All right, let Let's me pull up it. let me pull up the quiz here. Now it says you can be an Old or New Testament figure, right? So it's possible you could get Jesus. Well, luckily for you, Satan appears in both. So your chances are <laughs> you know pretty what? good. what? I hate you. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. So, I will pull up two windows here and we'll do one that's you and one that's me and then I'll tell you what you get, okay? All right. All right. So, here's the question. Question number one, and I want your honest answer. You need to be honest because I want to see oh, what what, yeah. what you really. I I, I want to get what you legitimately get. Okay, so you be honest on your answers. Okay, and don't right. give the, don't give All the right. Jesus God Bible answer. Give a legitimate. This is Billy Hallowell's answer. And oh, listen, if, right. if, listen. If you wind up with Judas, it's okay. No judgment here. I'll just have to have you hung. All right. <laughs> First question, and I'll answer them as well on on another window here. Okay, Billy, when someone cuts you off on the road. This is how you react. You play it cool, or you speed past them. You pull up beside them and condemn their actions. You immediately speed up and get on their bumper. You wave your hand to pull them over, or you think about how you would have reacted before you met Christ. I mean, I would want to flip them off, if I'm being honest, but I probably would just speed past them to get away from them. Speed past them. So that's what you would actually do. Not what you want to do, but what you actually would do. Yeah, that's, that's what I would act. do because I'd probably have my kid in the car and I just wouldn't want okay. to deal with the drama. Under now, understand, I'm going to take that answer, but as, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay? <laughs> so just, that's I'm quoting the Bible here. Okay? Well, I have self-control, huh? you know? you got you got to, listen, I'd want, like I said, I want to flip them off, but I think I would, I think I would speed away from them and huff okay. loudly. Got you. All right, so that was your answer. And I'm filling mine here. Okay. Now, your next qu next question here. This is your style of, this is your worship style at church. And we've got six options here. This is your worship style at church. You're reserved but passionate on the inside. Uh, you sing quietly. You prefer interpretive dance. You lead with your booming voice. You look around at others or you let it all hang out. I think... I'm. I would say I'm reserved, but I'm like passionate on the inside. I don't feel the need to be screaming and singing out of control loud like you. Okay, so for <laughs> so for sure you're reserved, but passionate on the inside. All right. I think so. All right. Yeah. I mean, okay, I don't nice. really like singing publicly. I'm not All gonna right. lie. Well, I appreciate that. Not the not <laughs> not the not lying, but the not singing out loud. 
And there's mine. Okay. Next question. Your friends often describe you as, of these six, uh, the reluctant leader, a down-to-earth guy, quiet but courageous, a person with lots of real-world experience, a born leader, the hardcore Bible guy. Um, You know, this one's tough. I feel like this one's tough because... You know, like I feel like it's somewhere in between born born leader and reluctant because I I do like sort of taking the lead on things, but I don't always want to do that. I don't well, mind. About like, what, I don't know. It's not about what you. What are your? How do your friends describe you? If like if I were to call Rivette right now, how would she describe you? Um, I that's a really good question. Calling the Blaze contributors editor, who I've known for more than a decade. Um, I would say probably born leader, even though I feel weird saying that. I feel like that probably would be what it's she would not, say, but I don't a, know. Some some of the questions are hard for you because, like, well, I'm afraid that I I don't want to call myself this, but this is what my friends would probably call me, and my friends probably know me better than I do. All right, so born leader for Billy here, and here's mine. All right, and next question. The last thing you do at night is pray, dream about traveling, check your phone. I check my phone. Think about your outfit for tomorrow, <laughs> read your Bible, take a shower. Now, I'm, gonna I'm be looking honest, at, wait, 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 wait. I'm looking at you on Skype right now and I can tell you that you've not taken a shower. You've not taken a shower yet today. I have not. I rolled out of bed today. Good grief. Like you are at 6:30 thinking, a, "Oh my gosh, I'm late for work." And I was. I was an hour late. You're a pig. All right. I am a pig today. I actually look insane <laughs> right now. If we have a, we should post a screenshot of how crazy. See if you I can look get a right screenshot. Now. Let me see if I can get a screenshot real quick. Okay, you got to you got to get a better angle because I'm not getting the full hair effect. You got it there. Okay, now you got to no, you got to turn your head a little bit. Okay, turn. Okay, let me get a screen. Let me get my uh, screenshot thing up here. My hair looks pretty gross. Okay, I still got. It's too dark behind. Just see if you can get up by the ceiling. Like, get this ceiling ceiling behind. Have you ever used one of these cameras before? What are you? What are you six? <laughs> Can you figure out how to use the camera? No. What is wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can't. Listen. Okay, look, okay. Now turn. Oh, yeah, right there. Perfect. Now turn your head. Look to your right just a little. There. Perfect. And click. Got it. All it's right. pretty bad. I mean, and I also need a haircut. But I woke up an hour late for work this morning thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die and be fired. And... <laughs> So, I mean, technically no I'm not luck. on until 7.30, but I need, to, I need to research before I get on. So, And that's right. why I look crazy. Uh-huh. But I, I check my phone before, but okay. I got to be honest. All right. That's my answer, too. All right. All right. Next one. Uh, in high school, you were the underdog leader, the smart one, the cheerleader. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the responsible one or the loner? Um, and there's I a lovely, say, there's a lovely picture of Mr. Spicoli here. <laughs> Listen, I, I have never done a drug. I was very responsible. I'm going to have to say responsible. I was responsible, responsible one, okay. in high school and when I was young. Click. All right. And here's mine. Right. Things changed, but I was right. responsible. Calculating. Let's see. What did Billy get? All right. Billy, you got Abraham. Congratulations. Oh. You're Abraham, the father of many descendants. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks a whole lot for the uh, for the for the Jew Arab fight we've got going on right now. By the way, thanks a lot. Well, really you know, it. it's, thank you, listen, Billy. So we you win bl- some, you lose some. We, we can blame you for the uh, problems in Israel right now. All right, 
Congrats. You're Abraham, the father of many descendants. You're the patriarch, the born leader. You have a deeply rooted faith, and you're willing to follow God into the unknown. Look at that. Look at you, Billy. Let's see what I got here. Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, we'll get mine here. Calculating. You are uh, Satan. Demon spawn. <laughs> no. Oh, well, this is interesting. I got, are you Esther? No, I got Rahab the prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> supportive of the Hebrews, but a little loose. The church boys. Man, I hate these guys. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Rahab. <laughs> oh, man. Well, maybe it's... I don't, know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I am loyal to the Hebrews, and I guess I... Well, whatever. All right. You're out of control. William, did you? Okay, well, this is one in our last segment. I'm going to let you pick the I'm going to let you pick the next story. We're in our last segment. Go ahead. Okay. So, you know, we got to talk about Phil Cook and we've covered him a number of times in the Blaze. Oh, good old he, Phil. He was a he is a Hollywood sort of like I guess he's a bridge builder. That's what I call him. He He's a producer. He does documentaries. He's a Christian, um, and he was very vocal during the Noah, you know, controversy. He defended Noah. I saw some events last year, and I was in Nashville last year, which I'm going to Nashville again next week for the same event. And he spoke quite a bit about Noah there. Um, anyway, he so came wait, out he, with this. He was he was a defender of the Noah thing. You said he was a okay. defender of the Noah project. Yes, right. in that he felt like, and this is sort of the tone of this op-ed he wrote too. He felt like you know this is Hollywood. Finally paying attention. It may not be perfect, but, you know, let's sort of build on this and help Hollywood understand. Okay. So, and I'm paraphrasing, but that's sort of what he believed. Now, in this case, he he basically tells Christians, you know, we need to not see Hollywood as the enemy. It is time to, um, you know, really sort of figure out again, I, I guess it's similar to Noah, how can we harness Hollywood? How can we work with Hollywood? How can we pray for Hollywood? And that's his big push. He wants Christians to, instead of complaining all the time, pray for Hollywood, get together on Oscar night and have parties, viewing parties, where Christians pray for culture. They pray for Hollywood instead of just condemning. So, you know, I mean, listen, it's it's an interesting perspective. I do think there are reasons to see Hollywood as a cultural problem. Um, I mean, look at Fifty Shades of Grey and everything else. But um, he does make a good point that maybe Christians should be spending some time praying for and considering um, a, a little bit of a different take on how we can best change the scenario in Hollywood. Right, and... And it, it's not, and it's it's about prayer, but it's also like get involved in the culture. That's the whole. That's, that's like Glenn's whole point. That's the whole building the 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 uh, the dream labs and doing all these other imaginative uh, ideas with with TV shows and movies and all this. Get involved in the culture and be a part of it, and quit screaming and crying about it, and do something about it. And the, too right. many people are afraid to get into the culture, and that's like our point. That's right. So when we do this podcast, it's not simply because we're vain. I am. I don't want to say that about Billy. Well, I do want to say that about Billy, but it's probably <laughs> not true. I'm vain. I like to hear myself speak. I like to have a microphone and put it out there, and I like to check to see how many listeners we've got, all that kind of nonsense. However, we're also doing this for another reason, secondary to our vanity, or secondary to my vanity, I should say. And that is, we think we ought to be involved in the culture. We think that there aren't enough shows out there like this one that talk about culture from a conservative standpoint and religion from a conservative standpoint and be honest about it, still be clean, but be honest and be engaged. And we, too many people, too many people who call themselves Christians are not engaged. 
And it's not just Hollywood, it's media, it's the university. You know, if you think that there are too many liberal professors, become a professor. I mean, what better place to be than a place that isn't really as friendly? And, you know, people will say, well, you can't break in. It's too hard to break in. You absolutely can. People find a way to do it. There are conservatives, there are Christians in those avenues, in those venues. What we're doing right now, what The Blaze is doing that is changing media in a way. It is being part of media. It is joining in and trying to change it. And I think that that is a great thing. And that's what we need to be doing. So I actually applaud Phil Cook for yeah. this. I think it was a great op-ed. I think we probably, when it comes to prayer, I think most of us could probably admit that we're not praying for Hollywood, no, that we're more we're just disgusted and looking away than than taking the time to really do that. And, and we, we probably we, should we'd be. rather criticize. I mean, you know what? That goes to a deeper thing that doesn't just about Hollywood. This is this is the great this is the the great paragraph or quote that you've got on here. It says, recently, as I've been speaking at conferences and events around the world, I've been urging Christians to stop looking at Hollywood as the enemy and start looking at Hollywood as a mission field. After all, what if Christians stopped just criticizing and actually started praying for the most influential industry in the world? Something amazing might happen. And the fact is, and I've had this discussion a bunch with my pastor and my folks and people in our church, like, you want to see your church change? You want to see your world change? You want to see politics change? You want to see the movie industry change? You want to see all this kind of stuff changed? Start praying and mean it. And actually believe right. that your prayers are being heard because prayer is what will change things. Because if we're not praying, if listen, and I, you know, I've gotten harassment from you know Blaze people on these chat rooms and that kind of stuff when we've done things. You know, when we'll do live chatting, uh, you know, for the State of the Union or election returns or debates and like. And I tell people, listen, if people on our side, people who call themselves Christian, spent half as much, if they spent a tenth of much time praying as they do criticizing. If I spent, including myself, by the way, this isn't just the, all of us. If I spent one-tenth the time praying for President Obama as I do criticizing him and ripping him, maybe something would change. Maybe yeah, no, something I think it's would a great change. point, and I think we're all guilty of it. And if you believe in prayer and you're doing it in other parts of your life, why aren't you doing it in the bigger parts when it comes to how culture is impacted and the people who are influentials over that culture? You know, so... Right. I think I think it's true. I and, think, you know, his Noah stuff we can have debates about. I think some of the things, you know, we don't have to agree on everything, but I think Phil Cook is spot on with this. And it will change change things. And when things get changed, here's what it looks like. And Billy, I want you to, I can't read it without getting a, a little verklempt. The story about this reporter who talked to these Iraqi children about how they'd retaliate against the about against ISIS. Get into yeah, that and story. This, this, this is, is what it looks know, like when you when you get into prayer and you start changing things and you change your life and you change your family. This is what it looks like. Yeah, if you go over to the Middle East right now and you see how these people, these Christians who have been driven from their homes by the brutal militant freak show that is the Islamic State, um, and you see how these people are living, it, it's it's horrible. They've lost everything. And you know, a, a cameraman, a reporter for SAT Seven, Sat Seven, it's an Arabic language Christian satellite TV network, okay. went over, spoke with some of the kids who are living in this half-built mall. It's like a shopping mall that they basically converted into living space for all of these Christians in Iraq who had fled their homes. And it's a fascinating interview. This one child named Miriam, the reporter asks her, you know, what would you do? How would you retaliate against the terrorists, against the Islamic State if you were given a chance? And her response was this, quote, I won't do anything to them. I will only ask God to forgive them. And if that wasn't powerful enough, the reporter then said, could you personally forgive the Islamic State? And she said, yes. 
And it's just, you know, when you see that, I mean, what better testament to forgiveness than the brutal Islamic state killing, murdering, pillaging, driving people from their homes, and this little girl responding as a Christian by saying that she would forgive them. And not only would she forgive them, she would ask God. She would have the mercy to ask God to forgive them for what they've done. This little girl, this little girl gets it more than most people who call themselves Christians. Isn't that amazing? I mean, she can't be more than, what? Eight? Yeah, I was going to say she's got to be, what, eight, nine? But she's got, she gets it. She has, her life has been changed. She understands where it is. And I'm telling you, this comes with instruction, whether it's parents or a pastor or somebody who's gotten a hold of her and taught them the right way. You got to, you got people making a stand and you got to take a stand for what's right and teach people about what love and mercy and grace are all about and that it doesn't come cheaply. I mean, she nails it. She gets Preach it, it more Rahab. Than, she Preach it, <laughs> she Rahab. Gets, she gets it more than most of us. So, anyway. No, I, I'm, I'm totally teasing you, Rahab, but no, I agree 100%. <laughs> you it's know what? So, <laughs> it's so powerful. I won't forgive you. You know what? If if they came to me, if you could do anything to Billy Hallowell, <laughs> you don't even want to get me started. Maybe maybe it would be giving me a shower at this point. Oh, you've, oh goodness. I can, I can smell you through <laughs> Skype. That's the amazing thing. <laughs> You are ripe, my friend. It's actually just bad hair gel, you know? <laughs> oh, right, sure, whatever. That's the only part of you that doesn't look terrible. All right, we both, you know what? Uh, oh, crumbs, it is time to go. So, Billy, uh, we need to head out now. We need to say goodbye to all of our friends. Say goodbye to our friends. Goodbye, friends. <laughs> read your Bibles. <laughs> I was just going to ask you if you have any words of wisdom. Billy, do you have any words of wisdom? Well, like I just said, read your Bibles. And read the blaze. We'll talk to you later. Church Boy.